First off, I wasn't at the game, guys. Uh, Tony, you had my tickets. I was at my wife's class reunion in Columbus, Georgia, Brookstone Cougars. Saw the Brookstone Cougars lose 55-7 to on homecoming. So there was, in fact, a school that had a worse homecoming than Georgia did. What was it like inside the stadium, guys? I'm assuming Brookstone didn't play Vanderbilt. No, I, I guess it would have been worse if, Brooks, if Vanderbilt would have won that game after actually playing a game the night before. Yeah. I think I hear crickets in the background. <laughs> Those are actual crickets because I'm outside. Uh, <laughs> how appropriate. This is the darkest timeline. Oh, man. Where do we go from here? It has been a strange season for the dogs. Think back to the beginning of this year. A lot of people were predicting an SEC title run. Most of us on this podcast had penciled Georgia in for a 9-3 and season, maybe even 10-2. But no one, not even the biggest pessimist in the Bulldog Nation, would have predicted a loss to a bad Vanderbilt team on homecoming. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 60 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I am joined today, as usual, by my co-hosts Will Leach and Tony Waller. This episode feels especially appropriate for what transpired on Saturday because we ourselves experienced technical difficulties throughout our podcast. Our post-game shows are always recorded online via Skype, and Tony's feed dropped out for some reason we couldn't quite figure out towards the end, which led to a humorous exchange between myself and Will as we tried to reconnect, but to no avail. So bear with us, and feel free to let us know what your thoughts are about Georgia's 4-3 and football team, and maybe even our podcast production quality. <laughs> Might as well get started. Here is Tony. I mean, you know, Scott, you can add what you thought. I, th- I thought the crowd was out of it from the get-go. I mean, it was full. I mean, I was really surprised. 600 level looked full. But it doesn't help when you give up a 95-yard kickoff return and then turn around and line up offsides to start off with. That set the tone for the day, and it went exactly like you would expect after that. I couldn't have said it any better. The noon kickoff, the crowd, like you said, and then, I mean, before even people were settled, into their seats. I mean, I was still putting ketchup on a hot dog. And next thing I know, Vanderbilt's down right in our end zone where, where we sit and about to run it in for a touchdown. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And the start is one thing, but, you know, the start really felt indicative. You can see why the crowd wasn't going to get into the game. But it's worth noting, as much as it's hard to even talk about this today, Georgia clearly looked like the better team, which makes it all the more frustrating. Uh, the thing that people, I think, are most worried about with this game, and we'll get into some of like maybe the, the scarier, sadder things uh, as we get along uh, talking here, but this is a game that was lost because, to me, because of, because of the things that, are a, that you put on the coaches rather than you put on the players. Play calling, special teams, clock management, and weird lapses and lack of concentration and intensity. Just all the sort of things that you get scared of that teams that seem to have coaching issues have, they seem to have them all in this game. Oh, 100%. I mean, I mean, the first thing out of Kirby's mouth was, this is on me, and it, it, and it should have been. I mean, look, we're, we're seeing a product of a young head coach with a new coaching staff combined with uh, still looks like a, a dearth of leadership on the field. And it's not that Easton can't do it. It's just that he's... Look, he's he's 18 in a month, and then you combine that with a an offensive coordinator or a head coach who is who is by God determined. They're we're going to establish a presence with authority, and 
uh, it's just it. That's what you get. I mean, we compiled um, something. We, we've had 421 yards of total offense, of which in the we had in the neighborhood of 367 yards of offense in between the twenties. <laughs> because every time we got inside the twenty, we thought, "Hey, we're running football team." Even though Vanderbilt was putting seven, eight guys in the box, I, I <laughs> that's all I got. I don't know what else to say. That's a good point, Tony. Because it, it is. It's like I mean, I think you could ask you could ask my kids or my boys. My my daughter wasn't paying a lick of attention for the record, but you could ask them. It's Bless like. Yeah, that's yeah. because women are smarter than I mean, men. Good for her. Good for I know. Her. I know, but but yeah, I mean it's like the same thing. We've seen it just about every game this year except the South Carolina game where they just kind of want to run it right up the middle and you're just left scratching your head like, okay, so you're going to run it right up the middle, but yet on the most pivotal play of the game, you're going to do a toss sweep to a 5 foot 7, 175 pound receiver. It just it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, and we ended up getting actually a touchdown on on this play. Um, I mean, on this 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 uh, drive. But listen, we, we go down the field. We get the ball. This is the I think the, our our touchdown. Our first. Oh no, Blankenship's one of Blankenship's field goals. I mean, we get the ball. We I'm trying to trying to remember where it was. So we get the ball and pass. No. Uh, rush no gain rush no gain pass pass rush for eight yards rush for no gain rush for no gain pass complete and, and we're, then we're inside the 20 and we get a, a false start penalty um, pass incomplete rush rush and we have to we have to kick a field goal so we we basically matriculate the ball down the field 40 yards on passes we try four or five runs that nets seven, eight, uh, 12 yards, and we have to kick a field goal. It just makes zero sense to me. It just makes zero sense to me. And, and you know, Will getting back to what we were talking about with the coaching decisions, you know, look, I, I didn't like us basically coming out run up the middle uh, when we get the ball back with, what was it, a minute and four seconds left in, this, in the first half. But we basically blew 30 seconds – messing around and then decide to go on our one minute offense and and you you hope that at some point that that's something that we'll fix because we have a young head coach um and, and i love that we took a shot at the end zone there but imagine if we just come out throwing the ball i mean what what's the worst thing to happen if you go you know two downs are we so afraid of our punting game and our defense when they had literally that point 40 yards of offense that we can't keep them out of the end zone it's, 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 it's baffling. Let's also note, by the way, that the one thing I was most concerned about heading into this game was the kicking game, and that was the one thing that worked. That was the one hey, thing. Hey, imagine where we'd be. Blankenship went three for three. Yeah, imagine what, where, where, where George is if he's not so accurate. That, that what, but you know, that, that's kind of the thing when you have uh, all of these things springing up is one problem gets solved, and then all sorts of other problems pop up. Uh, to me, the worst... As bad as that, frustrating as people were, frustrated people were with that fourth and one call. I thought the third and one call was just as bad. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna get bothered by not running uh, by running that play on fourth and one, you know, I oh, thought God. the pass was a weird call on thir- third and one. Like the idea, it's weird that like to me the play the run chub was third and one. <laughs> then you've got the <laughs> option there a little bit. So that was confusing. 
and I think we should maybe look at the larger issue because, you know, Scott, uh, you know, we have, uh, I think we've had some fun in the past in this podcast kind of talking about how, like, you get very concerned and, you know, you, you tend to have a, a very emotional reactions that we kind of like, well, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's all going to be <laughs> fine so on. And I will say that uh, this, to me, uh, this is the first, like, listen, the, the Mississippi game was rough, but it's a road game. Uh, Mississippi was coming up, was clearly charged up to play that game. Tennessee, incredibly difficult way to lose, but probably, I, I think you can make a strong argument, that was the best game Georgia has played uh, all season. The Nickel State game, you're a little off and so on. So we've had all of these little, kind of little red flags uh, coming up this year, but nothing to get truly alarmed about. To me, this is full-on, okay, something is wrong. It's not just the fact that you lose to Vanderbilt <clears throat> at home on homecoming. And a Vanderbilt team that's not very good. Yes, 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 it is. Yeah, yes. I understand <laughs> that. But, like, there have been some halfway decent Vanderbilt teams. Like, like they lost to Vanderbilt a couple years ago. And that was a tough loss. But that was a pretty good Vanderbilt team. This is a bad – even this, – this is a bad Vanderbilt team. Like, this team lost, what, 38 to nothing to Georgia Tech? Like, you know, just some really rough, rough losses for this Vanderbilt team. This was the first time where you started, and again, obviously, we're seven games in. This is way too early, but forget just the honeymoon period being over for Kirby Smart and this coaching staff. You start, people were tossed around the M word with Muschamp uh, all, all day on Saturday. How concerned, I leave it, put this to both of you, how concerned should we be, you know, for all this talk about like, well, Alabama, I think, uh, get, get the picture, I had a good uh, post about this today, talking about like for all the idea, like, well, Alabama in their first season, they're, they struggled too. Well, yeah, but Saban, that was like his fifth coaching job. Like, this is yeah, a first year coach uh, that to me, uh, for all the optimism we want to have with this, these are serious issues that are very concerning. I mean, I can't, I can't argue with any of that. I mean, I mean, look, I tweeted, I mean, or maybe a poster tweeted last night that the, the only good thing about this is we don't have to talk about how Mark Rick got fired on on Saturday night because, and let's let's take a step back. I'm not sure. I, I mean, we can say there's a lot of debate going on whether Mark Rick wins or loses this game, right? But the 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 no, but but the fact of the matter is is that we are dealing with a first year head coach, and and I've softened my stance considerably in ten months. Um, now, if if this happens in 2018, we lose to Vanderbilt like this, uh, especially a two and four Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think you're probably right, but you know the. The hard part about all of this is that we have to, um, which is a hard thing for fans to do, we, we have to trust that the decisions that were made and outside of it, what any of, any of us sitting on this podcast and probably any of our listeners know, the process will pay off in the end. Uh, and that's hard for people that love Mark Rick and did not want him hire, him fired to take. Um, you know, and I, but the fact of the matter is, is that Mark Rick's not coming back. Um, and we have a, a head coach who is literally learning on the job in his first time job. I mean, you know, I, 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 I really, somebody, um, our friend Matt Adair made a, made a comment to me last night on, on Twitter, something along the lines of, you know, it feels like 2007 Alabama and I didn't tweet back to him, but you know, my first thought was, yeah, but Alabama was like 28 and 21 or 28 and 31 or whatever it was over the four years before Georgia's. 40 and 10 and you know and, and, and we can have the debate whether or not some of this is at the foot of Mark Rick because of recruiting or the class of 13 or whatever but the reality is is that 
other than the offensive line, our problems haven't been with with depth. Our problem has been with coaching. Um, which, if you were to be honest and think about a, a brand spanking new head coach, um, that's something to be that's something to think about. I mean, you know, Kirby Smart came Kirby Smart came from a head coach that has a, a t- entirely different philosophy than the head coach that Mark Rick worked for. Um, Bobby Bowden, to his credit for a long time and to his detriment for uh, the last few years of his career, trusted his coordinators with an awful lot of responsibility. That's something that Nick Saban, especially on the defensive side of the ball, didn't do. Now, does that mean Kirby Smart can't it significantly improve on, especially in the areas that, that we want to see, that, that the fan base quote-unquote demands to see? That I think that remains to be seen, but... Yesterday was uh, the worst case example of what happens when you have a team that is not ready to to execute in all phases of the game with a head coach that is still finding his way. I, I think it's all said when you just look at all you have to do is look at the big numbers. Georgia has 421 total yards. Vanderbilt has 171 time of possession. And, se- and 75 of those were on one drive. But still, if you're just looking at the numbers, say, say you had slept through the game and you woke up and the first thing you saw were these numbers worth 35 minutes of time of possession, 421 total yards, and then 23 first downs compared to nine for Vanderbilt. You're thinking, oh, 20, 28 to 3, 35 to to, to seven of what's going on. And then the fact that it's 17, 16, I think you're exactly right, Tony, where you're kind of, you're, you're kind of nudging against the fact that you're basically laying this loss at the, at the feet of the coaches, which I think that's, that's a valid point because the stats were there. The execution was poor. The penalties, uh, we had two holding penalties, which basically crushed any kind of momentum, especially in the fourth quarter. Jacob Eason had had a long run for a first down and it was brought back by a holding. There, there's no other way to describe it other than just you know almost like fiddling a playbook. It's like you're you're trying to find the play and he drops it and he loses his page and then he picks it up and that that's kind of what it seems like. And and my final point is and I think everybody every and I'm not making a revelation here, but everybody on Twitter talked about how you line up with Nick Chubb and is with his hand on the ground as a fullback and McKenzie motions behind him and the to dot the eye and then. Coach Mason takes a timeout, and you're like, okay, well, they just showed something. And then they come back in, and they're lined up the same way. And you're like, there's no way McKenzie's getting this. And you'd think that maybe it was going to be like a quick dive handoff to, to Chubb up the middle or something. But they ran the exact same formation and probably the same play that they had drawn up before the timeout. It's just it's inconceivable. Yeah, and it really is. It's worth, you know, we've, we've discussed the vibe of the fan base and what I consider sometimes – to, be, to maybe be a little excessive uh, histrionics. Oh, did we lose? Hello? Yeah. We, we lost Tony. Hang on, let me add him back on. Uh, Tony, stop calling me. I'm going to add you to the call. He keeps calling me individually, but that doesn't no, do the I think he's calling me now. Yeah, he just he needs to answer, just answer the call. Hey, Tony, you there? Hello? <laughs> I, I, do they just not have the internet in Watkinsville? Like I, I, Dude, I, it's I don't know. I don't know if he's like trying to beam it off mirrors or whatever and try to hit some satellite, but it's it's I terrible. Mean, it's weird that like I mean like my I, I I can do podcasts at my parents' place in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, wait, see, yeah, I, Tony. I know you lost. We lost you. We're trying to call you. Hang this up, Tony. Is so appropriate. Like it's just weird. Like Watkinsville is not like the moon. 
And we we need to just finish because I gotta yeah I, yeah we need to we need to wrap up. Okay, okay, I'll go ahead. Uh, this is gonna be a couple different files because uh, whenever one person gets dropped, it starts a new file. Okay, so this is fun. Uh, so uh, anyway, I will finish up my point. Um, we've talked a lot about what I believe sometimes is the excessive Tony. Dude, I can't answer when you call like that. <laughs> like, like, he has to call us both. He keeps calling me. <laughs> just, just roll with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I've talked a little bit about the excessive, somewhat, somewhat criticizing the, but somewhat playful, the excessive histrionics of the fan base and how sometimes. You know, people in Georgia overreact to things because they think they they're like, "Why aren't we Alabama? We need to be Alabama. Make right. us Alabama." This to me strikes me as a time that uh, two things: one, a lot of those histrionics seem in order, <laughs> like this is a really bad thing. But two, it's amazing to see how much the I can't believe we fired Rick. Oh, we got uh, we're we're so mad. We got Kirby. We're so great. To by August, we're so, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that uh, we made this move to get rid of Rick. And now we've got Kirby, and we're fine. And now already, as as Tony said, who we just dropped from the call, by the way, <laughs> uh, uh, as Tony said. You're hearing, well, Rick wouldn't have lost that game. And I can't believe we got a guy with 15 years of experience and we, and we fired him for, for someone who, who's a, a first-year head coach. The, to me, if you wanted Kirby as the coach and you wanted this new start, sure, losing to Vanderbilt at home is not part of the package, but you had to know there were some bumps. This is bumpier. I think anyone would have liked. There's no question about that. Yeah. But to me, this is, I mean... It it seems to me that people are already like, oh my gosh, we made a horrible mistake with Kirby seven games in. And that feels like just the same kind of histrionics that got us into this mess in the first place. You're right. I mean, it's, it is histrionics. I mean, I I think it's good that we didn't have a podcast yesterday immediately (laughs) after the game, because I might've been in that, that, that camp, but I would never publicly state that beyond the walls of my house because I don't really believe that, you know, I think that, yeah, we got to stay with the process, stay the course. And yeah, this is, this is like the worst case scenario uh maybe not maybe losing to Nichols, which we could have done and losing to north carolina which we could have done uh would and losing to missouri yeah. that would have been the worst case scenario but those th- that could have happened also so you know we are what we are we're we're a four and three football team we are not very good um we have a lot of talent but yet we're missing some pieces we have a lot of potential with our coaching staff but yet they don't have it all together yet it's okay i mean 20, 2016 we it's been a bad year you know we've got a crazy election we lost prince the the team is in in disarray right now, but you know maybe the the off week comes at a good time. Who knows? Maybe they can push some buttons and and not do what we did last week last year in the off season where we ins- where we inserted a uh, Fatone Balta at quarterback before the Florida game. I think you know here I am glass half full guy again. I think that you know the the time off will be well served. Uh, I think that they can kind of maybe get on the same page and who knows maybe we can shock Florida because I w- I would bet and this is gonna probably cause some people to or, or ruffle some people's feathers but i would bet that more people would want to beat florida than and maybe take this uh loss to vanderbilt i could be wrong i don't know if i really believe that too but we really do need to beat florida and perhaps right now is a good time to have an off week to get back on the same page i don't know it's a good good time to have an off week but man that's a tough loss to sit with for two weeks it's it is gonna be a tough one it, to be sure we're trying to rationalize it here that's all we're trying to do all right well we lost tony but uh i'm sure he would say what we're all about to say right now which is a whew, let us never discuss that game again <laughs> unless it's unless it's part of the when we're when georgia is off to win the 
national championships next year. We talk about how the Vanderbilt game before the two weeks off was the pivot point, and that's what start that's what started the new Georgia regime. How about that? How yeah, I mean, you're a, you're a kind of a literary agent. You you have you have to have the despair before you have the big climb to the top, right? Yes, though, as the 2016 election will tell you, sometimes there is just despair. Sometimes it's only despair. <laughs> That's um, true. All right, all right, everyone. Well, well uh, uh, we'll uh, I don't know if we'll do the show this week. We'll figure that out. But mostly, uh, Vanderbilt game is over. Uh, now we don't have to talk about it. And uh, go dogs. Go dogs. Right, see you. See you, Will. Well, if that's not a metaphor for all things, I got cut off. And, uh, you know, the one last point I want to make, if, uh, and Scott, I'll let you add this in if you want to, is that, um, you know, with the off week, we're legitimately staring six and six in the face. And the hard part about that is that, you know, I was convinced we'd be nine and three. I thought the mistakes we had made against uh, the teams that we were competitive against were fixable, but unless we are able to, to really step back as a coaching staff and a team and say we have to do the things that work and not worry about what we want to be or what we think we ought to be, uh, we're just going to be facing the same thing again. Go dogs. And thanks for listening. You can share your thoughts on the dogs or our production value via Twitter. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast. I haven't yet checked our podcast pick'em contest, but I can probably guess that everyone did really, really bad this week. We'll update you later in the show or on next podcast. Uh, you, you get the idea. <laughs> the dogs are mercifully off this weekend as they get ready for their yearly trip down to Jacksonville. So hang in there. It can only get better, right? Until next time, take care, and we'll see you on campus. Go dogs.